0: Welcome to the podcast that teaches you how to transform your life and your business. Here is your host, Rick Hyland, and this is CI for Life.
1: Hey, it's Rick Hyland with CI for Life. We got another podcast, another exciting podcast for you with Matthew Davis, all the way from Enid, Oklahoma he is the CEO of Davis Business Law and he's got a great scale up and startup story. So, Matthew, welcome to the podcast.
0: Hey, thank you. I am thrilled to be here. Let's uh, let's rumble. Let's, talk let's rock and let's rock and roll. All hey, right. I got my Telecaster right here. I'm I'm ready to go. Nice.
1: All right, before we jump into the questions I have for you around scaling and and maybe even some <laughs> of the legal side, um, tell me about your background. Give us a little bit of history and
0: context. Mm, Well, I grew up here in Enid, and so it's my hometown, and uh, I uh, moved here in my late 20s. I thought I was going to be a Washington lawyer. I was working for Department of Energy, and then I just decided I didn't want to be a Washington lawyer, so I called my girlfriend, who was a producer at ABC TV in Los Angeles, other side of the country and said let's meet in the middle and here we are 26 years and five kids later so awesome yeah and you know i i I did county seat law i did anything and everything you had to do to just make it work and make a living and keep bread on the table and then eight years ago or so i had a midlife crisis and started a law firm
1: (laughs) what a great midlife crisis Um, I I like to call it an introspective review
0: of your life, right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I could go with that. And I just decided I was not going to sit here and slog it out with uh, a bunch of attorneys the rest of my life down at the courthouse and figured out how to go build a business out of it. Yeah. Well, your bio says, and I want to dig into this, a thousand percent growth over six
1: years. Yeah. You experienced some uh, startup and some scale lessons and
0: Basically, you kind of can you break it down for us? How did you do it? Um, you know, the the first thing I tell anybody when they're starting a business is figure out what you hate about your industry. Okay. And I and by that I mean two different ways. You got to look at everything two ways. One, ask about what the customers hate. And two, ask about what the employees or the team members hate in the industry. And I like that. You know, law is kind of a ripe ground for approaching either one of those two questions. um, Because, you know, customers, first of all, they don't even bother calling people customers, right? They're clients, right? And miss the big point that they're customers and they need a service. And you know, lawyers live up in this rarefied tower of, oh, we're providing this fancy legal advice and look at my law book. Here's my promote it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it drives me nuts. And I'm like, you know, we gotta take care of people. So you gotta change this pride and arrogance and actually look at taking care of people and communicating with them. And you know, that starts with getting on the phone when they call and it goes on through keeping them updated. And keeping them apprised about the billing and, and just letting them know what's going on and how much it's going to cost and why it's going to cost that much and what are the chances. And so that, that communication is one of your real major through lines on the external part. And then on the internal part, law firms, I've, I've had some really bad examples of how to be in a law partnership, and I tell everybody, I say, "Look, we do not have a partnership track, okay? Period, amen." I run the company with a professional team of managers, and and it's we're gonna we're going to put you in a position where you can make as much money as you can being a partner in some dingbat law firm somewhere, because we're going to run the firm better. Mm. And, and that's that's panning out. You know, that's one part of it. But the other part is law firms, just like, for instance, with attorneys, will chew them up. And we I'm hired wrong. Dixie out of one of the insurance defense firms. And her billing quota was nine and a half hours a day. And that means she's working 12 hours a day. Right, right to bill nine and a half. yeah, Yeah. And I matched salary and have given her raises ever since then. You know, it's when I'm selling that internally. I'm going to win. You know, I'm going to win. I'm going to get the talent. Yeah,
1: it's a better track. So you're kind of saying you can make as much money, but you can have a more enjoyable life if you
0: will. I I am, you know, to our attorneys, our our major pitch is I'm selling you quality of life. Mm. And. And I'm selling you interesting work because you work with business owners and, you know, they're a lot more fun to work with than somebody going through a divorce or somebody in a criminal problem. And yeah. And so, um, so yeah, I'm selling quality of life, quality of work. And, and very frankly, we, we just sort of entered into a great law business space and what i mean by that is um i was with one of the major or leading marketing coaches for law firms and he said you're doing exactly what i would have done because the tail on your customer base in business law is so long because once you establish a good relationship with them they come back and back and back yep
1: lifetime value of that customer is really good if you can yeah
0: now if I only had a good metric for it, I'm still trying to get what that is, because I haven't had a lifetime yet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's, uh, but that's an important calculation, isn't it? So
1: tell me, what did you do? Um, My stereotype of law firms is they don't market, uh, that they don't do sales and development, marketing development, or what I call business development activities. And there's some is some restrictions, I know, but What is your sales and marketing plan that allowed you to scale? Was it just
0: do great work and they'll chase you? Or did you do something more than that? We're aggressive digital marketers and um, we spend a lot of money on SEO. And we've really started to generate a lot of content. Likewise, we are not afraid to break the ice in a new market with Google AdWords. So we're we're very comfortable spending money with, you know, on SEM for most people know that term. Yep. And I've got lots of friends. I'm, I'm just about to get on the EO lawyers call. And you know, they're my peers. And a lot of them don't like using SEM. And we're we're we'll aggressively use it to break into a market. Mm-hmm. And you know, we know when we go into a new market, we're going to lose money for six months. But Our math also tells us after those first six months, we've made it up, that initial investment within by the end of the first year. Yeah, so I
1: love love the fact. Let me just underline a point there that I think is so important for entrepreneurs in law or any business they're trying to grow. But that is smart investment, right? Smart investment in sales and marketing. mm -hmm. Know your ROI, know your numbers to it. Don't just throw money on the wall, hoping oh. something will stick, right? This is yeah. much more diagnostic than that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'll tell you, I just taught, by the way, I just taught a class to EO, Entrepreneurs Organization, Oklahoma City, just a a, a small slice of that. Okay. And this maybe answers your question as, as well as anything. The class was called How to Manage a Digital Marketing Agency because people are terrified of spending money with digital marketers because they don't know how to measure their return. And they don't know because these guys just talk in jargon that makes us lawyers look like Bush leagues, right? <laughs> you know, I mean, what are you guys talking about? It's a different and language. <laughs> it's a completely different language. And it's just bonkers. And and so I, you know I teach that class of here's how you manage your marketing agency to know that you're getting banged for your buck. And we keep spreadsheets that are um, are running trackers of first of all where we are now and of course where we've been, but where we want to go. And I'm like, this is what I expect. And it's things like, you know what's your authority score? We use simrush in that regard. And there's there's other there's you know maws or RFs or you can use whichever, but and this is you know this is where I want to be. And so not only in marketing have we been aggressive digital marketers, but we've really managed it very aggressively as well, because you know you can get ripped off real quick, just like yep. that. Yeah. Now sales, I'm gonna dig in here because Good. marketing is not the same as sales, right? correct i mean and it drives me bonkers every people that say oh marketing and sales i say no there's not marketing and sales like that it's marketing and sales for us if we do not get a potential client on the phone with an attorney immediately our chances of closing that lead goes down by 60% agreed Yeah. And, you know, and by the way, that just dovetails with our constant contact, which is our second core value of the constant contact starts at that first phone call. Um, And if we don't do that, you know, we just lost 60 percent. Yeah. Right. Yeah. you You guys are
1: acting like a real sales and marketing. You know, the marketing can come first and it can build and add to your sales but to your point particularly when you're selling b2b or a complex sale you need to get on the phone and that's the
0: sales part right what's your pitch yeah they, they are they're 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 calling to you know they want to talk to somebody now and if not you don't get the answer of the phone oh. it's just an invitation sure go shop somewhere else that's how this firm's going to treat us so you oh. know our intake sends out an email every morning that says to the attorneys, tell me when you're not available so that our intake is not wasting time trying to track down attorneys that aren't gonna answer the phone anyway. And beyond, go ahead. No, I love it, I love it. You guys
1: are acting like a true sales and marketing team in the legal space, which I don't hear about a lot. This is like, Mm -mm. you know, no wonder you're scaling so fast, you're doing something so revolutionary for your industry and even this this idea of constant contact, I think our listeners would agree that how many of our listeners are, are get constant contact with their lawyer? Just added value, checking in, finding out how you're doing, seeing what your needs are. But well, that doesn't happen. It only when I have a problem do I reach out. And you're you're shifting the whole model to a more relationship, right. trust built, constant contact. I love that. Tell me more about your core values. What else you got in there? That's that's well. well. <clears throat>
0: First core value is believe and protect their dreams. Mm. Now, that goes both ways. Okay. Okay. Internally, externally. When I'm interviewing somebody, I want to know, do they have a, what's their dream? What's their motivation in life? And can I help them get there? And, you know, we just brought up an attorney from Houston to Oklahoma City and interviewed her. And I just said, I can't protect her dreams. because. I don't think she has any, <laughs> and I don't know what she's doing. I don't get right. I can't do that. But you know, conversely, we just hired an attorney in Kansas City, and I'm like, I get this young guy. He he wants, you know, he came out of an insurance defense firm, and I get it fits what we do. We can ch- make his life better, and you know, get he's going to have a kid here in a year or so, and I'm like, I can help you out. Now, the other thing is believe and protect their dreams. We are, you know, we're, we're representing businesses. And if we don't believe in their dream for their business, this is what they're putting their life's work into aside from their kids. Yeah. Yep. And if we don't believe it, how are we going to protect it? And at the end of the day, we're yeah. lawyers. What we do is we deal with people's vulnerabilities. Yep. Our job is to help them deal with their vulnerabilities so they can capitalize on their opportunities. It's that mm. simple. Oh, I've never had
1: it, heard it said that well. Okay, so number one is believe, protect the dreams, both the employees
0: and the customers. Yep. Number two constant, is constant contact. The constant contact. Part. And um, then three is, oh, actually two, I got two and three mixed up. Sorry. Two is create solutions. Because there's, I learned this somewhere, there's two types of people in life for our purposes here. There's problem bringers who bring you a problem, plop it in your lap and go, here's the problem, let's admire it, right? Yeah, great. Everybody worry about hates
1: it. let's stress it. about it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, everybody hates dealing with that people. And then there's solution creators. Let's create a solution, okay? That's, you know, and that's what people hire us to do. Create a solution to the problem, not admire, not worry, not stress about the problem. Our job is to create. Everything we do is action, taking somebody from point A to point B. And, Mm. you know, by the way, with sales, that's what we do. We teach story brand. And it's like, show them how you're going to take them from this problem that the hero has to a better place. Mm. And core value number four is corny. We're okay with corny. Teamwork (laughs) equals dream work. Oh, I see. It's not corny. It's.
1: Teamwork equals dream work. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. You know, and it's trying to get these rangy, independent-minded lawyers to work with, you know, our call intake people. And, you know, tell us when you're not available. Get your billing in on time. You know, lawyers are like herding cats. Yeah. Well, I I love that you're not just a lawyer,
1: that you prevent you've embraced another hat, and that is professional sales and marketing person. And I think that's a what I can determine so far. That's a big reason for your success. So congratulations. <clears throat> You're blowing Thank my you, mind. Yeah. Tell me, uh, I want to jump into a couple of specific areas that you might be uniquely, have some unique insights on. Um, number one mistake business owners make when growing and scaling their business. What, what advice would you give there?
0: Okay, I actually wrote the book on this. <laughs> <laughs> meaning you've done it and learned from it? No. Oh. Meaning I actually, literally, period, amen, wrote the book on this. And you know, I'm, I've am i been cleaning out my life, my closet, my bookcase and everything. And it's given me a lot of clarity on thought. And I'm down to just a few authors that I'm intensely redevouring, okay? And um one of them is Vern Harnish. I'm just very aggressively right now I'm getting to the point. Very aggressively implementing the last bits of Rockefeller habits that we don't have in place, which means I'm taking scaling up and really working on that. But let me just mention that
1: scale fest is our sponsor for these podcasts and Vern is going to be one of the keynote speakers at scale fest on april 27th so if you want to get Vern and all the experts on scaling up um it's in the show notes and uh you've seen me advertise it on my social but Vern is a is like what number
0: one guy in scaling up i mean yeah well you know hey i I got the scaling up book right there he wrote it quite like right here but yeah so okay Here's the thing on the table. What's the number one mistake? And I'm going to go to Jim Collins. Jim Collins in Great by Choice talks about the four things of 10X leaders. And they got to have empirical creativity. I may get some of them. I may not get all of them. You got to have empirical creativity. You got to have discipline. And I'm going to forget this one. And then one thing you have to have, too, is he calls it productive paranoia. And it's thinking about what can go wrong and being ready to deal with it. Now, Collins also talks about this concept that everybody gets good luck and everybody gets bad luck. We all get the same amount somehow, you know, it's just a rule of the universe, but it's the people that are ready to deal with the bad luck that are the ones that stay in the opportunity zone. And Guess who they call when they get the bad luck? They call us. Right? That's why Better Call Saul is the name of a TV show. Right? <laughs> and, you know, because you call your lawyer when you're in trouble. So we have some real expertise in it, and I really look at it as our responsibility of let's help people get ahead of this. Let's help our clients stay out of trouble. And by the way, that's not entirely altruistic because it's a heck of a lot more fun for my attorneys to work with growing businesses than failing businesses that failed because they weren't ready to deal with their vulnerabilities. Right. So, okay. So I wrote the book on it and I, I t- entitled the book, The Art of Preventing Stupid. <laughs> I love it. And, you know, the, the, and I'm, I'm being provocative with the title because, you know, I know your listeners know that entrepreneurs are 12 feet tall and bulletproof, right? Mm-hmm. They got this swagger of, yeah, I'm going to go get it. I'm going to, I'm taking the world on, right? But the question is, what's their biggest mistake? What's their biggest issue that they're not doing? And it's, they're not actively, or rather proactively dealing with their vulnerabilities. They're not going, what can go wrong? What? And just looking at the doomsday scenarios. And, you know, Collins talks about it in Great by Choice. And he talks about how Bill Gates was so good at that. And, you know, maybe we could all take a lesson or two from Bill Gates. It's just me. But what what I teach in The Art of Preventing Stupid is a really good brainstorming method that lets you break down your business in a systematic way. I call it the business immune system report and just pick it apart by asking questions about different working systems of your business. And and then, so that's the left. There's seven on the left, you know, this axis, the vertical axis. And then the horizontal axis is, Ask questions about what are the catastrophes, disasters, you know, pick your synonym there that can take us out. What are we ignorant about? Because we're all ignorant all the time. I mean, if you are not comfortable being ignorant and knowing that you need to learn things to make your business better, you're not doing your job as an entrepreneur. I'm sorry. And so you have to constantly go, what do I need to know? What can I do better? And the third thing we always stress is ineptitude, which means you know you're supposed to be doing it and you're slacking off. Because guess what? We all do that all the time too. And there's different ways you deal with all those. Catastrophes prepare or prevent. Ignorance, education. Ineptitude, systems, fail-safes, things of that nature. And so What The Art of Preventing Stupid does is teaches a methodology for active, efficient brainstorming of your vulnerabilities, and then I kind of dropped the ball at the end of that, in the sense I didn't come out with a good way, ultimately, of dealing with it because I thought everybody knew. I determined they didn't. I wrote the next book, which is called The Strong Protected Business. It's the sequel.
1: Okay, well, that's exactly where I wanted to go. So, from your legal perspective, and this is great advice for entrepreneurs trying to start and scale. What what mistakes are made, or how can we protect our businesses better up front? What are your recommendations?
0: I did a spreadsheet, and it's up on it's up on Davis Business Law.com in the resources tab. And It's called the Strong Protected Business Checklist. Now, the reason I'm directing people there is because the answer depends on where you are in the size of your business. And, you know, if you're a startup, I don't care about your succession planning because you don't have anything to lose, right? Right.
1: Good example. Yeah.
0: But later yeah. on, that needs to be a, a key risk and a key, key mit- mitigation factor. Yeah. So what we did is I polled all of our attorneys. I said, let's um, deconstruct what gets our pro- clients in trouble. Some of it's legal. Some of it's not. Some of it's something as simple as, do you have somebody on your team willing to tell you you're a moron? Yeah, and I probably wasn't that blunt, but you know. Um And and then we so we we made a list, categorized those by different categories. You know whether it's management or whatever. And then we took various stages of a company's growth. I think I used that Daniel Marcos's um, essay "Evolve Yourself to Scale Your Business," which I love, by the way, yeah. and broke it down into revenue levels and number of employees, which are pretty congruent. You know. Um, I figure about 225 per employee is probably about right for a company. That's a spitball number. But and so, you know, maybe it's one to five, five to 15. And and we looked at this is what you need to do to protect your business. It's just some good practical advice in a spreadsheet that says worry about this now or defer it for later because you're not going to build Rome in a day.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. I'm an angel investor, as you probably are as well. And every deck I see lately, and of course, every startup wants to go IPO. But one of the cool things that they're doing um, to present to investors is the idea of both opportunity. What are the biggest opportunities and how are we going to capture it? And to your point, what are the biggest risks my business has and what's my mitigation or contingency plan To approach that. So I love that even in the money seed world, that we're also thinking very similar to which basically goes to two skill sets for the entrepreneur. One is planning, or contingency planning, Mm -hmm. to uh, to use a term that uh, would work with your risks. And uh, what a critical skill is that for an entrepreneur. And the other one that you've been highlighting, it's actually in my sales book, The Truth About Being a Rainmaker, Seven Steps for Sales Excellence is the sixth, principle and that is innovation if you're not innovating your company and yourself you're not going to be great you're not going to be a rainmaker you're not going to be able to really truly scale if you're not constantly now that might drive a few people crazy because you're constantly coming up with better ideas listening to the customer listening to the employees but that's part of the game of scaling right any any comment on either of those uh, two ideas
0: preach it brother rick
1: preach it brother <laughs> Yeah, innovation, innovation, innovation. If I could give one skill, discipline would definitely be one, right? Fill out your scorecard, fill out your hours, fill out your time availability, all those little details that can add up to big results if you get a nice lead mm-hmm. conversation and close a deal, but also innovation, innovation, innovation. Constantly, I coach my entrepreneurs, and, and maybe you got some advice here, every day at the end of the day to ask yourself two questions. One what am I grateful for? What went right? What are the little tender mercies in my life today? And two, what can I do better? How can I improve? And if you're asking those two questions, you're gonna you're gonna be from a self entrepreneur point of view. That's you're, that's gonna go a long way to help you grow and be effective in your business. But
0: yeah, your that's, thoughts on that? That's great advice, and you know we we all need to be grateful, and you know it goes back to that. I you mean, know, the thing I tell people all the time is, um, you know, the, the biggest injustice any of us face is we get to breathe American air in the 21st century, and that's a lot to be thankful for. More thankful than 99.9% of the people ever on this planet ever have, or more lucky, fortunate than 99.9% of the people have ever been. Yeah. yeah. We do a lot of time griping despite that. Yeah. Yep. True
1: story. Okay. Any anything more? The second book has me really um fascinated.
0: Any other insights that you want to share from the second book? Tell me the title again. Well, the the second book is The Strong Protected Business. And it takes initially takes another look at a business in the brainstorming aspect with a, a good matrix that we use. It's it's just, just looking at the elephant a different way. Than we did with the Art of Preventing Stupid and the Business Immune System Report. But then we walk people through sort of a modified Eisenhower matrix that looks at, remember Eisenhower talks about what urgency and seriousness. We look at likelihood and seriousness of your threats. And then we ultimately end up with the Strong Protected Business Plan which dovetails into strategic planning. It's looking at the negative side. I know that, but the reason we teach that is because that's our strength and that's what we think people are bad at. And the Strong protective Business Plan comes in with rocks, just Stephen Covey term, um, backs it up with habits. We all know the importance of habits and routines and we're talking about starts and stops there. Because, you know, in the, that process, you're going to identify some of those. And then the third thing um, we talk about are just the easy ones, because sometimes you just have to get the easy ones moving, even if it's not that serious of a threat. If it's going to take you five minutes, just get it done, because number one, then you got it out of your brain. And number two, you just built momentum. Wow. What a, what a great insight. So do you, are you telling me, because this has not been my experience
1: and probably many people's experience uh, with their lawyers and legal firm, are you telling me you do proactive planning or in this case, threat identification exercises
0: rather than just waiting for them to come to you with a problem? Or how does that work? Yeah, well, we do that with our, we we changed the name of our outside general counsel program to the Strong Protected Business Program. and um, and we sit down and we do this with them, you know, depending on the size of the business, once a quarter, once every six months. Okay. And we'll work through that with them. And, and, you know, they can do it on their own. We're good at it, but they can do it on their own. And, and we have some strategic coach friends that have adopted this. Basically what it is, is taking the weaknesses and threats side of SWOT analysis And beefing it up, putting some muscle to it, because people aren't good at looking at their weaknesses and threats. They're a lot more dreaming's a lot more fun, you know, than it is going. Oh God, that's sorry, sorry about my language. What you know, what can go wrong here? And um, so, yes, we will sit down and we go through this with our clients, and we do it at our strategic planning and our business coach, who's a scaling up coach has started using it because he says, look, one reason you guys move so quickly is you don't make many mistakes. And when you do make a mistake, you learn from it, which, you know, lots of people do, but
1: well, um, you know, I don't do- know. Lots of people do, but yes, that, that is a great skill. Um, tell me more about, so where can people find you, Matthew? I mean, you've blown me away. I didn't know this kind of proactive Sales and marketing and business processes were going on in legal firms. Excuse me for underestimating you, but this is inspiring what you're doing from a sales and marketing standpoint. Well,
0: thanks. I, I got my mom's picture up here and I like to, I always go back to this. You know, my mom was the only woman in her med school class mm-hmm. back in the 60s. And then she practiced, she came back to her hometown here, which Enid, and she was one of the pioneers of breast cancer screening. And right, so I've had a professional career and know lots of people here. I can't tell you how many people have come up to me and said, Hey, your mom saved my life, or my mom's life, or my wife's life. And, you know, that's that's what's so, you know, it's 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 my mom's gonna be mad at me if I don't. You know, fulfill. Yeah. Yeah, if I don't fulfill this legacy, right? Yeah. Um, so you know, our website is davisbusinesslaw.com and our resource tab has got a lot of the stuff that we talked about up, up on it. And um, you know, we do business right now from Kansas City down to Austin, and our B HAG is to be in 30 markets by 2030. So why the heck not, you know. Well, with with that kind of background and
1: planning, sales and marketing planning, I have no doubt you're going to crush that goal. So, Matthew, I really appreciate the time today and your insights and wisdom uh, on building this business and scaling the business. So take care. Thank you. You too, Rick. Bye-bye. Bye.